Something a little different this morning. I'm uh, preaching from the Old Testament. And um, I couldn't remember the last time I did that. But we are in Zechariah this morning. I know you all were reading that last night. Um, but we are in Zechariah chapter 9. And specifically, Zechariah says, Return to your stronghold, you prisoners of hope. And that's what I want you all to be thinking about yourselves today. That you and I are prisoners of, we are prisoners of Jesus Christ. That he's got us. And he's not letting go. And he can't forget us. Now let's think about poor Zechariah for a minute. Imagine being in captivity for a hundred years. Okay? And let's say you're 15 years old. And you look at your mother and she says, oh, remember the olden days. And you look at your grandmother and she says, oh, yeah, the olden days. And you look at your great-grandma. And they all talk about that day when God is going to come and do something and make a difference. And by now, after you've heard that for 100 years, what do you do? You go, yeah, I've heard that one before. Yeah, I heard that one before, but it just doesn't ring true. Ever had that happen to your faith? It just doesn't ring true. Hope. Let's define hope. Hope is the expectation of tomorrow. That God can do something tomorrow that is different in my life and yours that he can manifest his love for us, that he can show us what it means to be his people. Hope. You know what? My, my kids are 40 and 38, okay? I had them real young. And if you believe that, just stay tuned here. I asked them, well, what was hope when you were growing up as a little kid? And they said hope was... Christmas and birthdays and school and events and as they got older, grades and college and meeting members of the opposite sex and it just got better and better and better. Did you watch the news lately? There's a lot of kids in this world and the only hope they have is that maybe I'm going to get a meal tomorrow. There's no access to education. The question is, how violent are their neighborhoods? And if they have a parent, is my parent addicted to drugs or something else? That it's kind of a hopeless world. Hope. Hope doesn't have anything to do with, and they lived happily ever after. Hope doesn't have anything to do with when I wish upon a star. And all you Powerball wizards, I think I'd find something else to hope in besides the fact that you think you're going to win that thing. Hope. Hope is Jesus Christ saying, my past 
everything I've done, my brokenness, all the things I would like to have a do-over for. You got any of those in your life? All kinds of do-overs I'd like, that that's all bound in Jesus Christ who says, nothing can separate you from me. Hope. Well, we sing about it at Christmas time. We sing what? The hopes and fears of all the years are met in thee tonight. The hopes and fear is what? My loss of control, that something's changing in my life and I don't like it. But the hopes of Christmas, that from Bethlehem, we go to Pontius Pilate and Pontius Pilate to the cross and to the cross to the tomb and to the tomb to Easter. And that cry, Christ is risen. All right. Weak, weak. Ah, no, I'll give, you, I'll, t- I'll give you that back. You were better than early church. 8 a.m. sat there and looked at me like, are we supposed to do something, Pastor? <laughs> yeah, Christ has risen. What did we learn how to sing? Not only Jesus loves me, but I am Jesus' little lamb. Precious to God, I am. Well, you want to put hope to the test? You just go down to the children's hospital on King's Highway this afternoon, and you watch the parents and the grandparents coming in and out of that hospital. What are they hoping for? I hope my child lives. I hope my child is healed. I hope they can do something for my... Actually, you know, it's not just the children's home. It's every time your pastors go into an intensive care unit. You can be 92 years old and you're young if I love you. And we don't want to miss that that hope. You know, every so often they used to call me and ask me to go down and baptize babies at that children's hospital that our social workers were involved with. And you want to talk about hope? It's when a nurse holds a little baby and you know that baby's not going to make it. And you make the sign of the cross over that baby. And you know Jesus Christ has just claimed that child is his own for forever. And do you know what happens? Did you, maybe you don't know this. Sometimes parents abandon those children. Just leave them in the hospital. And there's a place up in North City called the Garden of Innocence, and they bury those kids. And you know what? There's typically 75 to 100 people at those funerals doctors and nurses and social workers and people who know that God's people are never alone and that we watch over each other. My hope is built on, we sang this in the other two services, my, you know it, my hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. My, you ever noticed how elusive hope is? 
that I can think I got my arms around hope and that I've got it under control and that life is good and then poof, hope is gone. And I try to get it back, but I can never get it back the way that it was because hope always changes, but Jesus Christ remains the same. And this is the crazy thing about hope. Sometimes you don't know about it until you look back in your life a little bit. And you go, whoa! Jesus was there for me and that was a hope-filled moment. Let's try, let's try another one. How about, my God, how great thou art. Hope? What was hope for Noah? Not building an ark in his backyard. Everybody thought he was a little screwy. It was the rainbow. The rainbow was God's sign of hope. Moses, when he leads the children of Israel out of Egypt, what's the sign of hope? Not wandering around for 40 years in the wilderness. God feeds his people. Ever met somebody who just always says to you, oh, let's look on the bright side of life. Things are going to get better. Things are good. That's hope for the sake of hope. But Christian hope is this. It's hope we bear, hope we live, hope that we can give to each other. Now, I did something kind of crazy in August. I took the whole month off. And it was pretty good, okay? You know, I've been retired six years. What the heck? I could take a month off and see if I like it or not. And I learned one thing right away, okay? And that is I can't stand Joe Namath on TV <laughs> selling insurance policies to people. I mean, a day and a half of that, and I knew that I was coming back to work, okay? <laughs> That just wasn't going to work out. But my sister and brother-in-law from Salt Lake City, they come into town, and we had a lot of fun. And for part of that, we went up to Illinois for a cousin's reunion. And my mom came from a little town about 40 miles above Champaign-Urbana called Buckley. And I believe it or not, Russ says to me today, my best friend was from Buckley. Okay, Buckley's a town of 500 people. You know, how could that be? And we went up there, and we went to Buckley. We drove around town for 20 minutes. We had seen everything. And we decided to go out to the cemetery because we're exciting people, okay? And so we go out to the cemetery, and I've been out there 10, 15 times in my lifetime, and, you know, burying people, saying hi. And I'm walking around, and here are all the names of my childhood. The Wepplers, the Webbers, the Wiesehans. I mean, and that's just getting through the Ws, okay? But there was something different about being in that cemetery. And I couldn't figure out what it was. And then I realized the fence was gone. 
There was a six-foot wrought iron fence out in the middle of this cornfield that went all the way around this cemetery, and it was gone. And I especially paid attention to that because when I was a little kid, we would always ask my parents, how come some people are buried on the other side of the fence? And they would explain to us those were people who had killed themselves or the church deemed them not appropriate to be, you know. Man, them Buckley Lutherans are tough. You know, they're not going to just let anybody get buried in their cemetery. Well, the fence was gone. And there I was in a hope-filled moment, and I didn't even realize it, because the fences are all gone in your life and mine. Everything we think separates us from God, from each other. Gone. Gone in Christ Jesus. And get this. Now I'm walking around the cemetery, and they got some really old graves out there. Okay? So old that the weather has worn off the names and the dates and all there is is there's a big white stone sticking up out of the ground and you don't know who it is. You know, the world's kind of like that. The world would like to say to all of us, you know what, in a hundred years, nobody's going to remember any of you people. You don't count. You're not worth anything. The world's going to move on and you're nothing. Except for that our names are written on the heart of God. That God carries us in his heart. And he promises that nothing can separate us from his love for our lives. That is a hope worth taking out into the world. Now, I got to tell you, I'm about out of time here. So I was looking for a hope-filled story to end this sermon with. You know, something that just would send you out the door going, whoa, man, hope's a cool thing. And I went to my go-to place, which is Amazon. Okay? And I want to tell you whatever problem you have in your life, you know, be it toilet training your dog or alcohol or gambling or whatever it is, there is a book for you on Amazon that is hope-filled. But I couldn't find a story in there. Because this is the story I want you to go home with today. I want it to be your story of hope. That whatever is dark in your life, whatever's troublesome, whatever's going on, that you are a prisoner of hope. That you have been called, claimed, captured, bought with a price by Jesus Christ, and hear him call today, come on home, you prisoners of hope. Amen. Now may the peace of God
which passes all human understanding, keep our hearts and minds in Christ Jesus to life everlasting. Amen.